Major support for Carolina Business Review provided by Grant Thornton. Operating in more than 100 countries, our tax, audit, and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. And Sonoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. It is much easier to save, pay down debt, invest when you're making money, when you have income, when your finances are flush, and when the economy, like now, is just plain good. As we begin our 29th year of a continuously running program, welcome again to the most widely pro watched program on Carolina business policy and public affairs. That idea of making hay, so to speak, when the sun shines, is not lost on our guest. He is a financial expert professionally, but also as a public servant, certainly as the Tar Heel State's chief financial officer. But drawing on his history as a veteran member of the North Carolina General Assembly, a local school board for years, and a Department of Commerce employee, he is uniquely qualified to discharge the responsibilities of the treasurer's office for all citizens in North Carolina. We will welcome in just a moment the Honorable Dale Falwell. Gratefully acknowledging support by Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Visit us at SouthCarolinaBlues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, healthcare, rural churches, and children's services. Bearings, a leading global asset management firm dedicated to meeting the evolving investment and capital needs of its clients. Learn more at bearings.com. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, an executive profile featuring Dale R. Falwell, CPA, North Carolina State Treasurer. Welcome to our program. As always, a lot of the good dialogue happens before the cameras and the lights come on. But, Your Honor, uh, welcome. Good to have you on, uh, back on the program. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Um, uh, Your Honor, let's let's start. With, gosh, with so many things here. You've got state health care plan that you are. Uh, I'm not going to say riding herd on, but taking a deeper dive in. You've got the pension liabilities. You've got the investment plan. But but let's start broadly. So mm -hmm. we've got one of the longest, and I, I know this is not lost on you, sir, but. We've got one of the longest expansions in economic history, mm -hmm. certainly the stock market, but I'm really talking about economies. Sure. And it's been a wonderful time over the last 10 years now. As you look forward, as you sit on top of the financial fortunes of North Carolina, and chances are pretty good that when the economy slows down, that revenue from tax revenue in North Carolina will also start to mm -hmm. slow. How do you model out? How do you plan for that? And what are you doing now about it? Well, a lot of that goes to it's, it's like something I didn't know when I was going through uh, school, and that is that if you do what you're supposed to do during the semester, the final exam's not quite so difficult. Mm -hmm. And during the semester, North Carolina has built, thanks to the taxpayers of this state, one of the strongest rainy day funds in, in the United States. And of course, this year it rained. Uh, with the state's budget, the, the legislative budget, has been running budget surpluses for the last several years. We have one of the strongest, if not the strongest, uh, trust funds for unemployment insurance so we don't have to raise taxes on employers when and if the economy turns down. So there's a lot of things that have been done during the semester so that when this inevitably happens it won't be so difficult. And this hasn't 
been lost on the rating agencies who rate the state of North Carolina. Because regardless of how your viewers feel about certain subjects that are going on in our public lives right now, everyone agrees that any time that you can borrow money and pay a lower rate of interest mm -hmm. for it, mm -hmm. that's more money available for all the things, the schools, the criminal justice, the ports, the parks, the roads, and all the other core functions. What, it, a whole lot of things here, sir. Let, let, let's start with the idea of this healthcare plan. And it, you know, as we were preparing for the program, we had, <laughs> typically have editorial meetings, which I know you, you, you understand. Um, so USDOJ brought suit, and, and forgive me for, and I'm probably gonna get some of this wrong, but I think mm -hmm. you'll get the spirit of this, brought suit against hospitals, hospitals and systems in North Carolina. And what you have done is you've taken that opportunity to compel hospitals mm -hmm. to be transparent in their pricing. I wanna ask you what you mean by transparency. Sure. And does that mean that hospitals need to have now a schedule or a rate card mm -hmm. for different procedures? Is that what you're looking for? Well, exactly. Uh, the state health plan is the largest purchaser of health care and pharmaceutical benefits in the state. To what tune? $3.3 billion. Per annum. Correct. Now, the number of people in the state health plan is equivalent to the employment base of Amazon, J.P. Morgan, and Berkshire Hathaway combined. Their domestic employment base is about the size of the North Carolina state health plan. So my point of saying that to you is that as the keeper of the public purse, uh, we have the responsibility of making sure that we're loyal to these participants and the taxpayers like them to make sure we're getting the best value for our, for our dollar. Your viewers, everything that they do on a daily basis, the payer and the customer are always right there together. 213 a gallon for gas, I'd like to have some of that mm -hmm. today. So you pull in, you get your gas, so the payer and the customer are right together. In healthcare, the customer's over here, the payer's over here. The customer never knows what the payer actually paid for the services they just consumed. And the payer would be a health, it, health insurer. Or the state of North Carolina, because we're self-insured. And the payer doesn't know what happened to the customer in that experience. So just like in every other part of their life where the customer and the payer are right beside each other, in healthcare, they're set orbits apart, and we're gonna shut that gap and bring transparency to this issue so that consumers can consume instead of this product yeah. consuming them. But it, it, so let, let me understand. So you, do, you want, do you want the payer to move all the way to, to the provider, not the provider, do you want the payer to move all the way to where the consumer is or can there mm. be some middle ground? Well, sure. I, I want the consumer to know what it is they're consuming and what the price is, simple as that. You know, this started not with me becoming the state treasurer, but years ago when the state auditor, one of the four findings that she had against the state health plan was that the plan is at risk for overpaying. You know, never is there a conversation involving the state treasurer where you want the word overpaying in the mm -hmm, sentence. Mm -hmm. The plan's at risk for overpaying because even though the plan spends billions of dollars a year, it does not have access to the vendor contracts and cannot verify that the state state health plan is receiving the proper contractual discounts. So we started with that finding from the state treasurer several years ago, and we're starting to build on that. So I sent a request to the state hospital, otherwise known as UNC Healthcare, and I said, I know you're charging me about $300 million a year to state employees. I know what I'm being charged. What am I supposed to be paying? 
And of course, as I showed you before the show, I've got 150 pages of information that was completely blacked out. This is what was sent to the state treasurer when asked what the state health plan is supposed to pay for state employees health care. So why do you why do you think they sent you a document that had so much redaction on it that you couldn't access data? There's only one answer to that question. They don't want me to know. <laughs> is there is there a way to engage and I, I don't want to pick just on UNC Healthcare, sure. but you've got Atrium, you've right. got you've got Cape Fear down, you've got Novant, right. you've got what I still call mission up in the western part of the state. How do you how do you bring them to the table with how do you be how do you be uh, how do you opposed without being oppositional? Well, I mean, that's a great question. I just, I have had no one reach out to the treasurer's office since we initiated this uh, a few months ago and said we want less transparency and we want higher costs in healthcare. Every, all the stimuli coming into the treasurer's office, which is amazing, from teachers, from troopers, from average state employees, from providers. I mean, we need to stop for a moment and really empathize with the people who actually work in healthcare. Mm -hmm. They're sick of this too. They're tired of people asking, how much is this gonna cost me? And they can't tell them. So we feel like that when we bring transparency to this issue, that the consumers, like in every other part of their life, will make the correct choice on behalf of them and obviously mm -hmm. the state of North Carolina. So we always talk about these issues in terms of billions of dollars and hundreds of thousands of participants. But to personalize it just quickly, we have beginning troopers and beginning state employees and other state workers in North Carolina who cannot afford the family premium on the largest purchaser of health care in North mm -hmm. Carolina. That is unacceptable. What, um, are, who's done it well? What other state has done this well and been able to fix a system that's, that's clearly uh, bulky and awkward? Well, uh, no one has really done what we're trying to do on the size that we're trying to do it. You know, the President of the United States, and it doesn't matter if, if it's President Trump or President Obama or whoever it is, you know, they can talk about value and transparency and health care and surprise billing and all these things that your listeners, viewers know exactly what we're talking about, where they don't know the, what, what this explanation of benefit even says. The, the high level people in Washington talk about these issues, but they don't have the unique opportunity to actually operationalize them. Mm -hmm. My optimism comes from the fact that we have enough medical providers in the state, we have enough medical needs in this state, we have enough population in this state, and we have enough billions of dollars just in the state health plan, we ought to be able to figure this out on behalf of state employees and taxpayers like them. Do you, do you feel like with the, the recent outcome of what we've, uh, <laughs> what was ad nauseum uh, focus on the midterm elections now that the D Democrats have the House, do you feel like there's going to be some coverage nationally in Congress? And also, do you feel like you've got, you've got that the North Carolina General Assembly has your mm -hmm. Well, there's uh, all kinds of news reports of, of, about what's going on both in Washington and in Raleigh. What I know this is, is that, and this is not an emotional statement, it's not a political statement. The governor's budget and the legislative budget increased the spending to the state health plan for the last two years by 4%. Healthcare costs are going up six to seven. Mm -hmm. Pharmaceutical costs are going up from eight to 10. There's no combination of, of those two numbers that will ever get you the four. So we're not doing this, but we're doing this because we have to. We have to sustain this plan going forward for the people who, while we're sitting here in this studio, 
who are educating our children, protecting us from criminals, paving our roads, mm -hmm. and all the other core functions of state government. Well, sir, you were, you were in the General Assembly. You were Senate pro tem for crying out loud. I mean, you know how the sausage is made. How do we, how do we approach health care costs? And oh, yeah, by the way, and I know you know this mm -hmm. as well, how do we take care to make sure we invest more on education, maybe that's being currently invested, maybe be more optimal about it? So where, how, how does the General Assembly, how does the state, mm -hmm. how do the citizens prioritize this spending, and especially when we're talking about a possible slowdown. Well, number one, the first I was uh, in the last two years I was Speaker Pro Tem, uh, but for the six years before that I was in the minority party in the General Assembly, and one of the first things that I incorporated when I went to Raleigh is, you don't need a law to do everything. You don't always need a law to tell you what's right and wrong, and sometimes you can't legislate common sense and common courtesy. I also learned that very quickly. The issues that we're talking about are DW2 issues, whether it's education or roads or, or criminal justice. Every dollar that's wasted out of this pension plan, mm -hmm. out of the defined contribution plan mm -hmm. and administration, any dollar that's wasted out of the treasurer's office, especially out of health care, is a dollar that cannot ever be spent on these issues like you're referring to, like education. Mm -hmm. this, these are the issues, how you fund the pension plan, how you fund the health care plan, how you pay the interest on the debt. These are the issues that are going to make the generational difference in the future of North Carolina. Since we were on education, you, you sat on the Forsyth County School Board for mm -hmm. six to seven years, roughly. So, you, again, you know how that works. Mm -hmm. what, what, how do we need to think differently about education? We've got a DPI. We've got uh, Mark Johnson at DPI. We've got Bill Kobe and the State Board of Education that seemingly have been at odds. Is there... What's the approach? How do, be we, how, how do we find civility? How do we move forward so really we don't get bogged down in issues? Well, it, it's interesting you said that because uh, uh, sometimes uh, in this world people will say, well, you take that personally. Let me just say the, the great cameras you have in the studio, the car you drove in here, the phone that's in your pocket, those things wouldn't be possible unless somebody took something personally, right? So taking something personally is really, I don't think it's such a bad thing. It means that something matters to you. You know, Coach K once was asked about his courtside manner, and he said, there's some things that happen right in front of your eyes that are worth getting mad about. And the fact is, when we are the largest purchaser of health care in North Carolina, we can't do it better and more efficiently, that is something worth getting mad about. Now, as it relates to all the discourse, we're in an environment right now where people just want to be affirmed about how they already think about a subject. They don't want to be informed. So discourse has to do with, A, focusing on things that will really make a difference in the future of our citizens. But secondly, and more importantly, do it in a way that informs folks, not just affirms how they already feel about a subject. What would, how would you say that, that we need to, damn, I keep coming back to this yeah. term civility. Yeah. So how, do, how does the dialogue need to go then? I think the dialogue needs to go uh, the way that we approach everything in the treasurer's office. It's based on integrity, ability, and passion. And you could be a, 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 a world class at the last two, but if you don't have integrity, it doesn't matter. And when you're trying to actually attack problems versus what's going on right now where people are attacking people, when you actually go in and try to attack problems and you do that with the integrity mm -hmm. that Ethics is what you do when no one's watching, once there's an agreement on something, you can't change a period and a comma. 
then you can always find the passion and you can always find the ability of people who can help you move the ball forward. And I want to remind you and your listeners, viewers, uh, very quickly that, you know, an accomplishment is only an accomplishment for as long as it lasts. So not just doing something, but doing something on a timeless basis is very important. And we can't be, you know, in reference to the Andy Griffith show, you know, we can't be Ernest T. Bass, where every problem is a, is a, is a, is a window and every solution is a rock. And you just throw a rock and you giggle and you get to go to the next window. It's not enough just to point out there's a problem. Eventually, somebody has to fix it. Have you had an experience? Can you think of an example when someone who was on the other side of an argument or a discussion changed your mind about it? Maybe it's around the state health care. <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Uh, anytime I, I'm standing on the shoulders of a lot of people, but for them, I would never be the treasurer of North Carolina based on where I started in life. And I'm, I'm standing on the shoulders of those folks and who taught me a couple of things. Number one, is it always raise your hand and volunteer for the toughest jobs. And I've got a very tough job right now and all the employees of the treasurer's office. But secondly, the thing that they always, uh, always talked about is the fact that, you know, when, when you raise your hand to do those toughest jobs, it's very, very important that you do exactly what you said you would do. And the only way that you get any mobility in your life mm -hmm is to be willing to listen to new information or a better way of looking at old information. Um, we've got about 10 minutes left. Mm -hmm. I don't want to uh, take you down a track of economic mm -hmm. development. Recently, uh, the Triangle has announced that Advanced Auto is going to be relocating from Roanoke Rapids, Virginia to uh, mm -hmm. the Triangle. They've had a lot of folks there, but they're gonna make it official. And also, sh the Charlotte region is announcing while we tape here uh, that Honeywell, Fortune 500 company, will mm -hmm. be moving there. It seems like North Carolina has a bit of momentum around these kind of these elephant hunting mm -hmm. uh, expeditions that they've done. Uh, in reflection that uh, that North Carolina, the Triangle made the not so short list for Amazon. Mm -hmm. Charlotte didn't. Mm -hmm. That we've lost out on some things like a Toyota plant, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Wh where do you think North Carolina is in relation to its to South Carolina mm -hmm. and in general to those states that it competes against. Have, has North Carolina lost a little shine? I don't think so. I, I'll hold this up and I hope it makes sense. If this is the shape of California and this is the shape of North Carolina, but for 63 miles we have as much border with other states as California does. You would never think that, would you? But no, for 63 no. miles. But as smart as everybody is, uh, it's hard for them to name a major population center in California that borders another state. But look at ours. Asheville, Charlotte, Wilmington, some extent Raleigh, Durham, Greensboro, Winston-Salem, and Boone. And, you know, Austrian economist uh, von Mises and Hayek told us that money doesn't know where the border is. As you know in your professional life, money goes where it's invited and stays where it's welcomed. So having economic policies are, is what is putting North Carolina on the map in order to attract these businesses. And with the voters, what the voters just did last month about capping the income tax, that brings income tax certainty to the people who are making the decisions about where they want to relocate, either relocate their business or actually expand their business within the state. There's hundreds of thousands of jobs that are being created in this state every year by some businesses that have been here for decades, if not centuries. Is North Carolina losing an opportunity to reach out to South Carolina to say, you know, instead of competing, 
why don't we work together on some bigger issues? Well, that's not my, uh, my job is to pay attention to my math and breathe. <laughs> and uh, economic development is, is part of, uh, of the executive branch. What I would say is that when people look at North Carolina, they need to look at the fact that we have one of the strongest rainy day trust funds, the strongest unemployment trust reserve funds, uh, budget surpluses. Our pension plan is nearly 90% funded. Mm -hmm. The South Carolina pension plan is about 54% funded. I mean, eventually, whether it's healthcare expense, pension expense, or interest expense on the debt, all of these things are gonna come together and drive up the cost of doing business in any state. And this is really happening, not because I'm the state treasurer in North Carolina, it's happening because this has been uh, brewing for the last 30 or 40 years. It puts North Carolina in a very, very strong position. But over, overriding all of that is North Carolina has shown the ability to live within its budget. And going back to the state health plan, that's exactly what we're trying to do. Your viewers, our state employees and taxpayers like them, they have to live within a budget. And that's what the General Assembly is doing. And that's what I'm doing as state treasurer. Do you ever talk to Curtis Loftus in South Carolina, your counterpart? I do. He's, uh, Curtis has been a, a, a great help to me. He's one of the first calls I received on election night. and. Uh, He's been uh, very valuable to me as I've uh, become the state treasurer in North Carolina. Well, how could he, uh, how could, you said he could help you. So he's offered help. How could mm -hmm. he help? How could you work more closely with them to figure out a way to drive down some of the costs that, you, that you're already out front on? Well, uh, Curtis doesn't have the same constitutional and statutory responsibilities that I do. Yeah. Uh, you know, starting with the pension plan, the health plan. In South Carolina, those are all uh, dispersed into other types of state agencies. But uh, I never hesitate to pick up the phone and call Curtis when I'm looking for new information or a better way of looking at old information. How do you become one of the leaders in the state of North Carolina, sir, when mm -hmm. you clearly got a mission, as you stated when you were elected, you mm -hmm. wanted to drive down costs in many ways, you wanted mm -hmm. to be more responsible, you wanted to be fiscally responsive. How, how, in, in light of all of that, how do you still, and I want to come back to the civility thing, how, how mm -hmm. do you, not to say you're not, but how do you maybe show grace and extend an olive branch first and start a dialogue that isn't so polarizing mm -hmm. between Republicans and Democrats? Because mm -hmm. clearly the, the, the voters are speaking, mm -hmm. have spoken in both states and sure. in this country, and they want more balance and they, and they want a better dialogue. I think what the voters want is for people to fix their problems. And, you know, whether it's in, in individual life or corporate life or political life, you know, there's a lot of people who's, they're really good at not doing their jobs. <laughs> and that's all the voters want. They want folks who, when they apply for a job to be a public servant, to go, whether it's Raleigh or Washington or the local city council, they want them to do exactly what they put on their job application. Mm -hmm. There's no one in the studio who would be able to keep their job if they put one thing on their job application and then when they got out of sight, out of mind, they did something differently. So I think what the voters want is people who tell them how they feel about a subject, explain to them what the problem is and how they're gonna fix it. The other part about uh, this whole discourse is that people sometimes underestimate the heart. Every time I spend a penny or buy a paper clip at the treasurer's office, I'm thinking about who my loyalty and duty of care is to. It's not to Wall Street, it's not to big pharmaceutical companies, and it's not to big healthcare. My loyalty is to the participants in these plans, 
the people who right now are out there educating our children, paving our roads, protecting us. And they're doing that with their feet and their hands and their back, their hearts and their minds. And unfortunately this year and every year, people who actually give their lives to be public servants. Mm -hmm. So I think that when I'm in a negotiation with somebody else, they need to understand where my heart is mm -hmm. and where our heart is at the treasurer's office. And that is to have a loyalty to the people who put money in these plans and taxpayers like them. That's what drives us. There's really nothing that I'm ever gonna do at the treasurer's office that's gonna make a personal difference in my life. It's not gonna change my relationship at home. It's not gonna change my spiritual life or my financial life. But it's gonna make a big difference to the invisible people of this state mm -hmm. uh, who depend on these plans for not only their retirement, but also their health care. We, we've got about less than 30 seconds, and I wanna ask you about your lapel. Mm -hmm. I've been looking at, of course, mm -hmm. the state bird in North Carolina, the cardinal, and mm -hmm. then underneath it you have a badge with a, with sure. a, a, a black line. Uh, the, uh, the lapel pin belonged to uh, State Treasurer Harlan Bowles, and it's a reminder to me of constantly asking myself what would he do in whatever faces me. As far as the badge, it was uh, Sergeant Mickey, Mickey Hutchins from Winston-Salem. It's a reminder to me, whether it's uh, Trooper Connor in Columbus County, Trooper Bullard, uh, that uh, who this money belongs to and to, to endorse not just uh, law enforcement officers, but first responders across the state. Your Honor, thank you. Nice to see you. Thank you. Happy holidays. Thank you for watching our program. Have a good weekend. Good night. Major funding for Carolina Business Review provided by the Duke Endowment, Bearings, Grant Thornton, Sonoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Promotional consideration provided by Business North Carolina Magazine. For more information, visit carolinabusinessreview.com.